Welcome back to Adherent Apologetics, everyone. Thank you for joining us. As always, we are brought to you by you with your support on patreon.com slash adherent apologetics. Today, I am here with Kevin Harris. He is the co-host of the Reasonable Faith podcast with a guy some of you may know named William Lane Craig. Uh, but I mean, Kevin might know. I think he knows a little bit more than William Lane Craig, if I don't say so myself. Uh, but Kevin, welcome. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me, Zach. Appreciate it, man. <laughs> Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. I'm really pumped to talk to you. Just a little quick rundown for everyone listening. We're just going to be talking a little bit about just some general apologetics things and also about Kevin's work with uh, Dr. Craig. Um, so we're going to kind of mix and mash here for the next like 45 minutes or so. And if you're listening to us live, as always, we'll be doing a little bit of Q&A at the end. So feel free to ask your questions. But to start, Kevin, I'm curious if, if someone doesn't know who you are, could you talk a little bit about like who you are and what you do? Sure. Well, my career has been um, in music production and in radio, and uh, I've been in radio since I was in high school. Um, and um, I've always tried to figure out in the last you know, 10 to 15 years or so, especially, um, how can I combine my skills in radio and production and Apolog my love for apologetics. How can I combine that somehow into um, um, a, a way that would uh, effectively utilize my my skills in both? Um, and so that's that's what I've been trying to do for for several years now. What's weird is that the state of radio, terrestrial radio, is just in flux. Nobody knows hmm. where it's going. Yeah, and none of us anticipated the internet you know i've worked in major markets i worked in dallas fort worth i worked at uh, q102 cincinnati um and uh, been in some big markets uh nobody saw this coming that mm -hmm. there would come a time when uh there would be a different way to deliver uh content uh digitally and and so on and so uh, radio is kind of weird right now. I mean, you know, you can be on the air and also online at the same time. Um, but I, 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 I'm, I may be getting a, ahead of myself. I'll tell you why we're only online with Dr. Craig here in just a bit. But anyway, that's that's been my career. Yeah, I'd love to talk to that, um, talk about that at some point. But I think um, one thing that's interesting, you talked about you've had this passion for like apologetics for the past like 10, 15 years. So maybe you could walk through a little bit like of your story and like what got you interested in apologetics and these big questions in the first place. Well, yeah. And that goes all the way back to high school. Mm. Um, I got a hold of a copy just by sheer accident when I was 18 <laughs> years old of Josh McDowell's Evidence That Demands a Verdict. Mm. And that launched so many of us, so many people into the apologetics task. But I, I'll never forget it. Um, when I got to page four, hmm. I was electrified. I was hooked. <laughs> I said, you know what? We got to get the word out. Because... Mm. Um, uh, bubbling and I was really plugged into my youth group, you know, um, had a strong relationship with the Lord, you know, the whole bit, um, contemporary Christian music was starting to happen. You know, mm -hmm. it's the seventies, uh, uh, people these days just kind of take it for granted, man. There wasn't anything until 74, 75, really. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, at least when he discovered it, and all that was going on. And, 
um, bubbling down inside of me was, okay, I know that this all makes sense. My faith in Christ makes sense intellectually, but I didn't know anything about defending the faith, apologetics, and the intellectual grounding and the evidential grounding and so on of, of my faith. Um, I knew it was there. I just didn't know what to call it. Mm. And I didn't know how to articulate it. And so really God was very gracious to me to get a hold of that book before I went through what some of my friends have gone through. And that is a period of doubt where mm. you had to start digging in and you go through this agonizing doubt. And then God bails you out of that, you know, via use of good apologetics and, and you know, and, and, and just gives you grace for those intellectual questions. I mean, Mike Lacona, Dr. Lacona, he he went through a period of doubt. Gary Habermas has gone through periods of doubt. But uh, God knew me well enough, I guess, that he just kind of let me bypass that. Hmm. Uh, and I get the information before I get a chance to to struggle with it. <laughs> That's usually the way it is. But that book set me on fire. It, it just hmm. set me on fire, you know. Hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. So when you were looking at kind of like these reasons and these evidences and things like that, what really did you find compelling um, in terms of maybe just the existence of God and then you can move on to Christianity? Yeah. Um, uh, you know, it started with just the how compelling the person of Jesus was mm. and, and, and the fact that the, uh, the New Testament was historically accurate. Uh, and, and was reliable and, you know, we could, we could trust it. Uh, I didn't have any idea that there were so many manuscripts, you know, by which we could compare and uh, just the wealth of textual criticism information that we have. So that, that just set me on, uh, I mean, I was not a good student up to that point, but that mm. also turned my mind on and I began to want to study history, mm. literature, art you know um uh, the humanities mm. archaeology <laughs> so it, it flipped a switch in me and i love to see that happen because i see that happen all the time uh with people uh, it, it's just like god flips his switch so that that was i think that's one of the first things um uh, that, that that struck me was that uh, the New Testament was reliable and that we we had an accurate account of what Jesus taught, a tradition of his sayings, and, he, and that he was captured uh, accurately within the Gospels. Uh, mm -hmm. And from there, I started looking at philosophical evidences for the existence of God, you know. And this hmm. was in the 70s, man. I mean, we're talking <laughs> we're talking a long time ago. <laughs> was it that time that long ago though? I don't know. Don't make yourself sound old, you know. <laughs> yeah. No, but it is amazing how um, one thing I thought about here is the idea of like flipping a switch when you can dive into these things. I've seen this like in my own life. I've gone from reading like five books a year to like 50. It's amazing how uh, these things can just change our perspective on literally everything. So, you're in radio you know, you've been looking at these questions from the 70s, from the 1970s. So could you like kind of walk through, like, how do you get to where you are today where you're like the co-host of like the Reasonable Faith podcast with William Lane Craig and all these things? Like what kind of brought you into that sort of realm, if you could say? 
I've always felt that my calling, and not everybody is can embrace this. Uh, you need to look at just how you are bent, how you're created, what God has given you, uh, you know, your giftings and your callings and so on. I've always wanted to be salt and light in the mainstream. I see a lot of value in uh, people of faith and taking the good news about Jesus into the mainstream. I, I didn't want to be in Christian radio. Not really. I've been in Christian radio and, and, and it's great. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not knocking it at all. It's just that uh, every time I've tried to be in it, I haven't felt like it's where I needed to be. Mm -hmm. And so I've been in mainstream, mainstream rock radio, top 40, um, mainstream talk. And, and because I, th I think that's where we need to be. I think we need to be salt and light in there. And that takes some discipline and it takes um, uh, uh, being plugged in uh, with, with a lot of support um, fellowship, things like that from your, from your local church to, to keep you grounded. So I've always wanted to do that. And I've always, always wanted to also figure out how to get apologetics uh, into the mainstream um, so that people who had intellectual roadblocks to faith in Christ, we could knock those down, that, that they could deal with those and uh, and say, oh, mm, yeah, OK, uh, took care of that roadblock. So but it's very hard to do. I mean, how am I going to do that in music, radio and everything? And so I've tried to have little side projects, but. How it came about with Dr. Craig was um, I had um, philosophy and theology talk show on a radio station in Austin, Texas, and did it every Saturday. And Dr. Craig was a frequent guest. Finally, one day I, I called him up and I said, Dr. Craig, you need to have your own radio show and you need to call it. Right. If you, we need to call it reasonable faith. We need to be on be on the radio and uh, um, get on as many stations as we can get on Christian radio, get on secular radio uh, and uh, get some of these um, some of this scholar, uh, scholarly stuff down to the lay level. That doesn't mean dumb it down. It just means it, to make it accessible to to the lay person. And. He agreed and he said, let's do it. Um, our initial you know, idea was to was to be on radio. But a consultant uh, talked to Dr. Craig and said, you know what? Uh, you need to be on podcast instead. <laughs> so and I said, I said, what? No. Uh, but that's the way it's worked out. And there are possibilities that we could even actually go on terrestrial radio because terrestrial radio still has about a 96 to mm -hmm. 94 to 96 percent reach mm. uh, of, of America. People still listen to the radio, even though it's undergoing a lot of changes. Mm. Um, but we I didn't see this coming, but uh, that we would be podcasting and that we'd be doing video on YouTube. But that's the direction we went uh, a little over 10 years ago. And so we started doing these. Um, but uh, I'll tell you quickly, 
uh, I was interacting online uh, in the mid '90s when the internet first started oh. happening, and all the billboards, you know, and the debate boards, and the chat rooms, and all that, all that <laughs> stuff. And we would get on there and do apologetics, you know, and evangelism, and make a lot of friends, and tangle up with the atheist. And mm. all the atheists I noticed were talking about a man named William Lane Craig. And they mm. said, if you want to answer. Christianity, you're going to have to deal with him. Huh. And I go, well, who is he? And some people sent me a link and they sent me a, a, a video that he did. Uh, and then uh, of, a, of a debate with Frank Zindler, who was supposed to be the champion atheist. This was in the, in the 90s uh, at Willow Creek Church. And then I attended a debate in the late 90s with Dr. Craig. 4,000 people hmm. were, were at this debate. And Again, we were all electrified at how, what a good job he did, how gracious he was, um, and how well he dealt with uh, some of the smartest atheists on the planet. On the planet, and um, so I said, we we need to do this. We need to do a podcast. We need to get on the radio and do this. That's how it happened. Mm. Yeah, it's an amazing story. Uh, something you brought up earlier is you guys, obviously, you're in, almost in radio by training, but you guys are exclusively on a, a podcast now with the Reasonable Faith Podcast. Like, So what's kind of like the rationale behind, uh, I don't know if at some point you guys were on the radio, but now just like having like focusing on like the podcast platform with what you guys are doing? Well, we started exclusively on podcast. Mm. Okay. And uh, the consultant that that got Dr. Craig's ear and my ear at the time is turned out to be right. We had no idea that podcasts would be so popular. Yeah. We thought they'd be a little supplemental side thing. And that traditional radio and TV would continue to be the dominant force. And that's, that's no longer, but you know, the case now traditional media is still out there. And uh, again, radio has a huge reach. 94, 95% of the, of the population, people still listen radio. And millennials and some of the younger people are starting to rediscover radio, mm -hmm. but it's always within uh, 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 using um, online sources as well. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. I don't know where it's going to go. And my friends who've been in the industry for a long time, experts in this area, don't know what's going on but what you're oh. doing is is the future apparently and that's what that's what's happening but we started out on podcast and there are a couple of possibilities that we may actually take the podcast and edit them down put them on radio as well because you get out of the ghetto of the internet there and you can pull more people in mm. to, to your to your channel and to your podcast by by utilizing uh some of the traditional forms of media that are still very strong yeah um so i'm curious obviously you come from like a radio perspective like have you seen like the impact of like the internet and you got these things like podcasts and youtube um obviously it seems especially on youtube atheists kind of like ha jumped the gun here and we're ahead almost in this whole uh, debate for a few years and we've seen a lot more christian apologetics and philosophy podcasts and youtube channels and all these things kind of spring up over the last two three four five years so like what in terms of that dynamic, like what have you seen on the internet and how like, it's almost like, uh, you know, in the history will have people who will be racing to 
colonized lands or things like that. It's almost like there's something different, but similar happening in like the Christian atheist dynamics. I'm curious if you have any thoughts like on what's going on here with like the internet and like information. Oh man. Uh, well, you know, I noticed the same thing from the get go. For some reason, uh, when the internet started and we all plugged in and got online and, and then it started expanding. I, I said, where are all the, where did all these atheists and agnostics come oh, from? Yeah. Because you're hanging around your hometown, hmm. going to church with your buds and, you know, and your family, you don't meet that many. And all mm -hmm. of a sudden you realize there's jillions of them. <laughs> and for some reason they, um, they resonated with, with it um and they you know they would they would say well it's because of the science and because of technology and because you know we're we're into that kind of a thing well so are we as believers in christ you know absolutely but i noticed the same thing you did but there were a few christian websites that were out there and they were ahead of the game um the first email i ever got was from my dad huh. the second email i got was from atheist dan barker Huh. You know, so that's how far he and I go back, you know. Huh. Um, and so uh, there was a uh, Matt Slick had CARM, C-A-R-M, Christian Ooh. Apologetics and Research Ministry. And he really had a professional slick looking site and all the technology. He was he was ahead of the game. And there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people there. And I learned, hmm. uh, I learned from interacting there. Hmm. Um, and it was a whole new world. Made a lot of friends, friends to this day. But there were some fearsome battles, hmm. um, you know, on that. I'll jump ahead just a little bit. Um, the big thing at the time, uh, and it, it seemed to occupy a lot of our time, was biblical inerrancy. When I look back, I think we wasted a lot of time trying to defend that because we went round and round and round um, defending certain views of inerrancy. Now, I believe in inerrancy, and uh, to this day, I'm amazed at how well the Bible holds up, yeah. you know, scrutin scrutin scrutinization and, and how well you can harmonize how— how, how Judas died, you know, did he hang himself? Did he fall headlong? And, you know, the whole thing. And, mm -hmm. um, but that's what the, 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 they somehow saw that the atheists and the agnostics and people of other faiths who are apologists for their faith, they thought that, that that's where they really needed to go after us because they thought that the, the Bible was vulnerable. They thought that they, there were too many problems with it. Now, it was a huge education, though. Again, it was a great Bible study to just see how it all hung together. Um, today, you don't see that quite as much um, uh, because even if certain doctrines of inerrancy aren't true or they turn out not to be true or Bible turns out to have some error or something like that, uh, that doesn't destroy Christianity. That just might adjust a, you know, a, a doctrine of inerrancy, or it might uh, undermine certain views of inerrancy and things like that. But for, for, we spent a lot of time getting down to the 
to the nitty gritty on verses and but we but we were pressured we thought that we it was all or nothing we thought we had huh. to defend inerrancy huh. because everything would fall apart it was a house of cards man it would fall apart if they found one error in there Mm, yeah. Now, you know, and and today you don't you don't see that as much. A lot of apologists saying, "I I don't even hold you you, you know certain doctrines of inerrancy." You know, if you want to talk mm-hmm. about that, go talk about it with somebody else. Let's let's get into you know, the evidence for Jesus, the evidence mm-hmm. for God, and so on. But um, uh, that was some of the big battles that we had uh, in the in the '90s and, and early 2000s. Mm-hmm. So I'm um, curious, you talk about like uh, kind of like these battles that you'd seen happen in the 90s and 2000s. And obviously, as someone who has been talking to one of the greatest philosophers in Christian thought today, uh, you've seen kind of like the progression in like where these battles are being fought. So like, can you talk a little bit of, like where you think like the timeline of like where we are today, like where are the battles now versus like, uh, I know you hinted at it already, but like how has the progression occurred from like way back when? Uh, you started this and looking at these big battles to like now, like what, what's the difference? Well, it's, it's always been about the Kalam cosmological argument <laughs> with Dr. Craig. Uh, and so undermining premise one or premise two took up a lot of uh, uh, cyberspace um, as, as we were doing this and, and, and big bang cosmology and, uh, I think that um, I think we've won that battle and it's not even talked about that much anymore. I mean, you'll still run into it, you know, a little bit, but the premises are just are, are really solid. Cosmology of it is just really solid in that argument. Um, and while there are people who have uh, some good objections and, and, and there's, there's a lot of study. That's, that's what's so great about that argument. The Kalam cosmological argument is it's very deep, very rich, very wide and a lot to discuss in that, but it's, it's held up really well. And so I don't see that as much. And this is just anecdotal. Uh, it used to be, you'd be, you'd be there, 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 there. Now, for some reason, and I, and, you know, maybe we can talk to Mike Jones and some others, uh, the soul neurology and the soul uh, neuroscience and, and, and the existence of the soul seem mm. to be the future, the mind yeah. consciousness, mind, body dualism. Um, I think for the next several years, we're going to see an increase in that as we seem to have moved away from, you know, defending every form of inerrancy to, the, the premises of the co- uh, the cosmological argument, the design argument, everything, uh, even the moral argument, uh, uh, I think it's held up so well that um, it's, it's moved on a little bit. So um, neuroscience and the soul consciousness, uh, I think, is is what we're going to see. And boy, yeah. that's, heavy, that's some heavy stuff. Mind, body, dualism. yeah, dualism and idealism. There's a lot there, and it's amazing. I remember I heard Dr. Josh Rasmus, another Christian philosopher, talking about he's done so much work on like contingency, but he even said that this like mind body problem. I think he's a dualist, like he sees that as the most powerful argument for the existence of God. And mm-hmm. it's gonna be really interesting where that goes. Uh, just I've been reading the quantum enigma, and I'm just like, my mind is blown with like 
for a while, I thought science was explaining more and more, but when you get down and down and down into like the quantum level, there's so much there. That's just a mystery. I was talking with one of my best friends who's studying physics and he's like, yeah, if we look at this from a naturalist perspective, we have absolutely no idea what's going on here. No one does. And it's just, it's so interesting where it's going to he head, um, especially in that issue in the next few yeah, years. Start with JP Moreland. I mean, get your JP down, uh, <laughs> on mind body dualism uh and you can go as you can go further than you you know as far as you want to go with jp because his you know he's written reams and reams on it but mm -hmm. he also has some good introductory stuff yeah. as far as mind body dualism substance dualism property dualism consciousness and th the soul and and things like the mind and the soul so uh I, that's just a suggestion you know yeah. a lot of a lot of people who are watching right now are, are going oh man <laughs> i'm way beyond that but uh <laughs> if if you're just starting um he's he's really got some good stuff obviously. yeah i mean he has the soul a very like 200 page introduction book for the beginners and he also has the entering the blackwell companion on uh the argument for the soul so he's got a little bit for everyone i'm, I'm curious so you've been doing uh this podcast with reasonable faith for around 10 years, I believe, if I'm right. And you've done a lot. You've worked a lot on it. I'm curious, like for someone who's growing, I guess this would include myself, like someone who's trying to get their message out there to promote apologetics in one sense, especially in like the podcast realm. Like what, what kind of advice can you could give, could you give to someone um, if they try to build a ministry or something like that to, as we dive into these apologetic questions? Oh, just let it blow your mind, you know? <sighs> Just let it blow your mind and expand your head because that's what happens. Um, someone told me that they thought that there was a resurgence uh, of men back to the church because of apologetics that for some reason it really resonates with the guys. Hmm. And they were so excited about their faith, some of them for the first time in their lives because of uh, apologetics and the work of apologetics that they actually uh, we've seen them coming back to church the last several years but then the ladies are getting on board too you got yeah. mama bear apologetics and some great mm -hmm. sources there so it's not just a man thing <laughs> by, yeah. by any stretch um but um so i'd recommend just let it here's another thing i recommend because this is this is what's been really cool for me let god um direct you uh, have a hand in in what you need to know because i have found that when you're sensitive to that that some questions that you don't real that you didn't even know existed that somebody's either going to ask at you ask you or, or you're going to run into online or somebody's got throw at you mm. or something like that uh i have found many times that when that happens three or four days earlier, I had just read something on it. Yeah. You know? And so, um, discipline yourself, read, um, and, um, and ask God to just energize, energize your mind. And, um, um, I want to say that you've, you can't lose your temper. You've mm. got to be patient with people. We're going through a time in American history where mm. civil discourse is going out the window and that's got to change. Mm -hmm. We've got to reverse that. Dr. Craig has been exemplary in this area by being kind, firm, 
professional, mm -hmm. but but going after arguments, tearing down arguments, not tearing down people, which is exactly what Second Corinthians 10 says to do. We tear down arguments, but we don't tear down people. And uh, these days, civil di discourse is hard to come by. People want to shout you down, cancel you, yell at you, interrupt you, and would rather you not be heard at all. Mm. You know, uh, forget the First Amendment, forget uh, all views being on the table so that we can all examine and, and reason together. So that will backfire because the very people who will shout you down, they themselves will get shouted down. And mm. so it's a, a self-destructive thing on, on, on college campuses. Because if your tribe can shut somebody down, then the next bigger tribe can shut you down. Hmm. And we'll never have any discourse. And so hmm. firm but polite and um, civil, um, respect. Um, I, I would say those two things. Obviously, you want to study and um, uh, interact with people. And if you don't know the answer to something, say, you know what? That's a good question. Let's let me dig into that a little bit and let's discuss it again. Can you meet next Thursday at 10 a.m. Starbucks mm. or whatever? Yeah. Then you've got a legitimate uh, relationship going on. And you're never in a relationship with someone just to win them, to have another apologetics notch on your belt. Mm. People will see right through that. That's patronizing. That's. Mm. That's just, uh, that's not genuine. It's not authentic. Have authentic, genuine, honest relationships with people yeah. and discuss these things. But you don't befriend somebody just so that you can win them over mm. to your view or whatever and then have a little notch on your belt, you know. Mm. Yeah. And so uh, uh, people are people. They're not... Um, you know, little trophies to collect. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's something I've seen in my own life is a lot of my friends and people I know that are non-believers. It's so important to build those relationships with them. So you've worked with Dr. Craig for a long time now. I'm curious, I'm curious, like if there's some like takeaways, things that you've learned from Dr. Craig, maybe they're like philosophical or theologically related. Obviously I'm sure there's a few of those. You can learn a lot from Dr. Craig, but also just like practically, like what have you learned in your experiences from working with Dr. Craig? Wow. Well, uh, oh my goodness. <laughs> Easy question. Yeah. You know, I've, I've tried to figure out how to make room in my brain and just kind of chronicle you know all of it obviously i read his material um and my job is to if he says ontological i my job is to say now what does that mean if anybody does not is not familiar with that term so again not to dumb it down but to make it accessible to the layperson yeah, so i will act as a lay person for, for, for the most part and in, in this podcast. And I'm, I'm also as acting as a student. So I'm sitting there soaking it up. <laughs> I have learned a lot. Um, and uh, learned a lot about philosophy. I'm, I'm impressed uh, as well with how disciplined that he is. Uh, he really just 
6 a.m. does this, 7 a.m. does this, 8 a.m. And his beautiful wife, Jan, is is uh, probably a big part of that because she has really helped get him organized. Philosophers, musicians, we tend to be on cloud nine and uh, can't get ourselves organized. So she's been a true blessing to him, helping him get organized. Hmm. And it's inspired him to do so. And in fact, I had to come along because I was I'm kind of scattered all over the place and I had to get real disciplined even to get these podcasts researched and done. What we do is we'll go into the studio for two days and mm. we'll record about 25 or 30. Oh, podcasts. wow. So I got to come up with 50 topics <laughs> and research them prior to these podcasts. Hmm. Uh, and I say 50 because he'll throw out about 20 of them and go, nah, you know, <laughs> so, um, uh, I, I come up with uh, some additional things and he tries to stay in his lane too. I mean, uh, everybody wants to know a sociological questions, social justice. What do you think about Antifa and things like that? And, and he resists that because he's trying to stay in his area of expertise. Mm-hmm. You know, and so um, um, which which is, you know, a smart thing to do. But at the same time, he's a leader and people want to know his opinion on these things. So I will I'll force him sometime to say uh, (laughs) I need you to comment on it. You know, Um, I have learned a lot. Um, I'll mention this real quick. Um, if you listen to the, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that I, I lost my son. Uh, he was 18 years old. Tanner was 18. He was a senior in high school. We lost him in a motorcycle accident. That was 2015. And since that time, uh, I have struggled uh, just as part of the grieving process in God's grace to my, my concentration has been really bad because it's it's traumatic i i have not finished a book no i finished one book uh since 2015 i used to read two or three a month and so i'm trying to ramp back up and mm-hmm. and and get that back dr craig has been a real encouragement in that but you know nt writes the resurrection of the son of god i've been i started that and it's taken me forever that's i think that's an 800 page book because when you go through the loss of a child or you go through something traumatic like that, it it can affect your concentration and and some other things. And you have to ramp back up, build back up to that. And so um, it's been very, very difficult. And I'm behind on my reading because of that. And so I've, I've got a lot of catching up to do. And, and so uh, what I'm saying is if uh, it, be sure that you're that you know that you're getting a hold of some good material in in some good books and don't just read wikipedia read what read what the scholars are saying and keep advancing you know on that um and so i'm trying to get i'm trying to get my my mojo back uh but it's you know it's taken a few years Mm. i do want to say obviously i'm sure you've heard this many times but i am so sorry for your loss i 
I had a friend who was 18 years old pass away a few years ago and just seeing what it took on his family, I can only imagine uh, the pain and praise God for bringing you to where you are today. Um, I just want to say that. So God, give, God gives you grace when you need it. Mm, and, yeah. you know, I've, when it happened, when we lost him, I felt like I was falling. Mm. And I, but I landed smack dab in front of a two and a half, three ton stone in front of an empty tomb. Mm. And so it's just been amazing how despite pain and despite that grieving process, we don't grieve without hope. We grieve. Yes, mm. but we don't grieve without hope. And so there's a deepening and, a, and an enriching that, that, that comes along from that. But um, losing a child is as bad as they say it's hard, but man, if God can get you through that, <laughs> he can get you through anything. And I'm telling you right now, he does. He'll even get you through that. It's amazing. It's amazing. You know, Thanks praise God. That you said. Appreciate it. Yeah. So I'm curious, you brought up like the podcast process for a little bit. Uh, you'll meet with Dr. Craig and turn out like 25 to 50 podcasts. So take out 20. Like, I'm curious, like if you could elaborate a little bit more on like, what does that process look like? Cause I think that's so interesting. Cause I don't think I realized to this point that you just will meet together for a couple of days and just turn out podcasts for yeah. two straight days. Like, what does that process look like? Yeah. And you know, and I want to, and the technology is getting to the point now, I want to do more live things with Dr. Yeah. Craig, like, like we're doing here. So we can mm -hmm. get into super chat and, and some things like that. And that that's going to start happening. And, um, you know, live call in on radio um, and then and then live interaction here, you know, with Q&A um, mm. and things like that. So I, I, I do want to see that happen. But what I do is I have I'll, gosh, I, you have to weed through a lot of stuff. I mean, mm. it can get you really depressed reading what people without Christ are saying, because mm. it really is when it comes down to it, very hopeless, even though they're trying to be positive, it's not, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. It's just not. Um, and so weeding through a lot of the atheist blogs, agnostic blogs will give me a lot of good thing, good questions and good stuff. And I've made some good friends too. Yeah. Um, some of the atheist bloggers as I've interacted with them, but they, they have a lot of good material. Uh, they're dealing with a lot of social justice and social issues <laughs> right now. Mm -hmm. um, uh, rather than the science of philosophy that uh, where Dr. Craig specializes. And so it's, it's hard because he really doesn't want to do too much on that, but he's being, he's kind of being forced to, to we're kind of, mm -hmm. Uh, having to put on our sociologist hat, uh, you know, a little bit, try not to get political, but man, everything is so political these days. Um, so anyway, I, I'll prove that. And I'll tell you another cool thing, Zach, is that people send me uh, either through Facebook and I'll give my, my email here uh, at the end. People send me topics and stuff I would never know about um, that I just hadn't run into. Um, and, um, but 
So uh, people have really contributed and said, I'd really like to see you guys do a podcast on this article and send me a link or, uh, or this meme, you know, you notice uh, a lot of people are saying, how, how do we answer this meme? We've got a lot of bumper sticker theology out there. <laughs> these, yeah. these memes have become, uh, become the, uh, the <laughs> new bumper stickers, you know, uh, on the back of your, your car. Um, so, um, all the atheist bloggers, like the friendly atheists, you know, and, um, and, and those guys, I will, uh, I'll keep an eye on what they're talking about because they will bring up some good objections and some good questions and, and all that. So, um, I'm constantly looking for, for good stuff. You know. Yeah, definitely, Kevin. Uh, I just want to say again, if you're listening live, we will take a few questions. If you have questions, feel free to um, add them. I'm curious, have you guys like looked at like answering like YouTube videos? I feel like it's like to be like get your YouTube atheist like badge, you have to at least respond to a couple of Dr. Craig's arguments. So like, have you looked at like responding to YouTube videos at all? Yeah, and we we have. We've if you'll go back to the podcast, you'll see that we'll go through a. Um, some of the shorter videos and, you know, we, we can't do a pod, you know, it would take forever, uh, <laughs> to do some of the longer ones, but yeah. I'll try to uh, get to the meat of some of those, but we'll watch a podcast, uh, uh, a, a video together and then pause it at different times and let Dr. Craig comment. And so we, we are doing that. Um, the Dr. Craig has long been known and he's been, he's been heavily criticized for it, but, um, it's pretty routine. It's pretty par for the course that uh, when you have two PhDs that the, the, the vast, vast majority of the time that you schedule a debate or an interaction, uh, interaction is going to be with someone who uh, is also credentialed, who, mm -hmm. who also has their PhD and so on. That doesn't mean that people who don't have that aren't knowledgeable and would be great at a debate. But Dr. Craig has tried to hold uh, his formal debates with colleagues and with people who have, have got those credentials. And it's kept people from saying, well, of course, you, you know, you mop the floor with him because you got a Ph.D. and he he didn't get past the 10th grade uh, mm -hmm. or, or whatever. But the podcast have given us some opportunities to interact with some popular atheist bloggers who, uh, you know, and they're not credentialed. They don't have their PhDs and things like that. Just knowledgeable, just very, very popular. Like Matt Dillahunty, mm -hmm. very popular Huge uh, impact. and, um, you know, speaker and interactor. And um, that will give us an opportunity to, to interact with uh, some of these, uh, individuals who would like to debate Dr. Craig, but uh, again, Dr. Craig just, he has that policy for the most part about who he will debate and so on, but that will give him a chance to, to interact. And so we've interacted with some of the popular uh, atheists out there, uh, Matt Delahunty, Dan Barker, and some others. Hmm. Awesome. Uh, one more question here. We'll hit a couple live questions. Uh, earlier, you talked about the discipline, like working, um, working with Dr. Craig uh, for yourself and just seeing that in his own life um, with his wife, Jan. Uh, so like, what does that discipline look like for you guys? Because it seems like he does a lot and you guys do a lot as a team. So like, what's that discipline look like? I've, 
Well, I'll tell you what, I have had to, um, um, he, he is extremely disciplined and I, you know, he gets up early in the morning and the first thing he does is spend time with God mm. every morning. And mm. that's been an inspiration to me. And he will do things strictly, read things strictly for devotion because you can get into this, you know, deal where you're just reading everything for uh, intellectual learning and uh, cataloging and equipping yourself. And sometimes the devotion and sometimes just the joy of it can go right out the window. So we make sure that 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 doesn't happen. He'll do that mm. first. And then he'll get to the, you know, the serious work, but you know, I've had to be on time, <laughs> you know, and I'm, again, I'm a musician and a radio guy. And so I'm used to staying up all night and not being anywhere on time. So Dr. Craig has been very patient with me, but uh, he's also helped me to get my act together and get, you know, and get things done get things happening. Um, and so we've had some um, we've had some pretty comical moments of him saying, "Now, Kevin, you need to get disciplined." <laughs> I don't even know if Doctor Craig has like a serious, angry voice. I don't know if that's possible. Oh, he doesn't. He's <laughs> never lost his. I don't think he's got a temper. He's the real deal. You know, he he's great, but he he can be firm, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, and. Um, but he feels the weight of his platform. He doesn't take it lightly. And so Mm. I've had to work really hard to get his sense of humor out because he's so, you know, dead set on getting these podcasts straight and, you know, and um, so many people are listening and and again, he just feels the weight Mm. of, um, how popular he's he's gotten and everybody wants a piece of him as far as debate and take him on and he's had to have a uh, develop a thick skin because people have made personal attacks mm-hmm. i mean you go on the you go i'm i'm researching these podcasts and there's a huge amount of material that i have to wade the sewer mm-hmm. that i have to wade through that are nothing but personal attacks against him mm-hmm. and yet at the same time, you'll also find some of the people who disagree with him, who are so gracious toward him and respect him and uh, and 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 treat him as a as a colleague. But, boy, the the vitriol has just been really, uh, really, really bad, you know, at times. And I've, I've had to, you know, not let that get to me and, and, and get out of there fast. I mean, if I'm reading something, and it's nothing but personal attacks i'm bailing i'm not going to sit there and read it uh, and you know get depressed over it but um um did that answer the question i'm did i, I mean i'm trying to remember what i originally asked but it answered yeah. something that was really good <laughs> yeah we were talking about discipline and stuff so yeah okay really great yeah yeah it's, uh, it's important. discipline is important uh we'll go to a little bit of q a or comments or things like that we have will craig here obviously not william lane craig but will craig uh phd math student doing really good work um 
we had him on a little bit. He's talking about the argument for mathematics and really interesting stuff that Dr. Craig is working on there. But he says, as another person named William Craig, I'd love to do so much as to do a discussion trying to pin down the role of young people. The role young people can play in academia or other young people issues. So, like, what do you think the role of young people is in the future of apologetics and these big questions? You know, I'm just amazed how um, how many young people there are who are who are just electrified and energized by apologetics. There was a time that you in the in the 90s and when everything was first starting on the Internet that some atheist or some opponent of Christianity uh, would put up some objection and. I felt the pressure. If I didn't answer it, nobody would. Mm -hmm. And it would just be out there. And nowadays, there will be 15 people give it an answer. Yeah. And some of them are in the sixth grade. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, and they're, they, they're, they're, doing, they're great. They have a lot of knowledge and they've, uh, and it's like younger and younger. Um, and, Again, you need this area. You love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so you don't want to leave this out and just be all touchy-feely. We've gone through an anti-intellectual, just touchy-feely era in the, in the American church, in the Western church. We're coming out of that and knowing that it's not just all emotional and feelings, but there is an intellectual grounding to our faith uh that is extremely important and so young people need to have that grounding and they can have all the emotion too and the fun and the music the worship music and and, and that but i see some some churches some denominations it's all feeling mm. it's all personal experience and it's all emotion you have to conjure up this emotion and work yourself up into this emotional state or you're you're not very uh, or you're not worshiping you know and so i don't want to see that ever i don't want to see that happen uh, i want to see young people stay intellectually grounded um but we've we've seen an apologetics renaissance it's been amazing and and people go oh man are you kidding me Starting in 2001, we've seen a huge atheist movement. And I'm going, yeah. And guess when Dr. Craig hit? And guess when Norman Geisler and Robbie Zacharias and Josh McDowell and, and all these guys were happening? 70s, 80s, and 90s. Mm -hmm. How bad would the atheist movement have run roughshod over the church if the, that intellectual grounding was... Man, you look back in retrospect and going, God knew what he was doing mm, with this big intellectual movement because 2001, 9-11 happened. Four horsemen of the uh, uh, atheist, four horsemen, you know, Dawkins and all started writing the books, Sam Harris. And just think how bad it would be if there hadn't been this pre-grounding of all this mm. going on. And so the timing has been really cool you know yeah uh we'll go to one probably one more question here um due to time but it's a question uh it says did, did you come across a book or something that was able to help you navigate through the pain with having lost a son i had a similar loss in uh, 1982 susan thank you for your question thank you for sharing bless your heart thank you um 
Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, you know, I don't know. It's been several years since I wish I could. I, I, I do want to recommend if you haven't uh, uh, some C.S. Lewis mm. and read about his grief when he lost his wife and um, uh, and some of the things that he's written. I, there's a lot of good stuff out there about the grieving process. And again, we do grieve, but we don't grieve without hope. Um, death is a painful celebration, but it is a celebration because of the resurrection of Jesus. Um, but I can't think of the, There is some good grief material out there. I just, I can't think of it right now, but, but I, I do want to recommend to you, uh, Read some C.S. Lewis and read uh, read some of the things that he has said. I think you'll get a lot out of it. Hmm. C.S. Lewis is always a great way to go. Uh, we'll close with one more question here. We'll probably be done with questions now uh, for the sake of time. But I'm curious just kind of to wrap this up on like a fun note. Do you have like a funny story in working with Dr. Craig or like an embarrassing story or something along those lines that people can take away and maybe just get a laugh out of to wrap things up here? Well, I've been thinking about it and He's such an egghead that uh, I can't ever get anything funny out of him very much. <laughs> You'd appreciate me saying that. Now, uh, we we do laugh a lot. Uh, he thought I was. Uh, I've got this weird sense of humor. He thought I was crazy for a long time, but he finally warmed up to me, and now he. I, I make him laugh a lot. Uh, being in entertainment radio, you know, I tend to come up with the lines, but. Um, um, one of the funniest things that he does is uh, he and his wife, Jen, and I cannot say enough about her. Uh, oh, man, what a blessing. They are they have such a good relationship and they're an inspiration. They're a model for me. They have a fantastic relationship, but they call each other these these syrupy uh names like lambkins and honeypot and sweet treat and i'm just <laughs> like oh you guys get a room <laughs> uh but uh it's just uh, uh you'll get cavities being around them <laughs> but they're just very affectionate and loving but where they came up with some of these nicknames for each other i can't even keep up with all the nicknames, lamb, lambkins, um, you know, bubble gum. I don't know. And so, but they're constant. They're very, uh, they use, they, they use all these pet names for each other. Um, and I always crack up because it seems like there's a whole new set of names that they call each other when he calls her or we go out to dinner or, or whatever. Um, and, and by the way, guys, I think your wife will probably really appreciate that. Call her by some pet names because it, it certainly works with Jan and secret weapon with my wife as well. So uh, I try to come up with some original ones. Um, and uh, the only other funny story was when uh, I, I had Dr. Craig and I were at a speaking engagement. I picked him up in this dilapidated car of mine that shook. Uh, you know, I mean, the wheels were out of line. I picked him up 
and he's hanging on for dear life, you know, as I'm picking him up at the airport and we're going down the road, just shaking and trying to talk about Alvin planet, you know, uh, and, um, he never has gotten over that car. Thankfully I got rid of it, but, um, I, I shook him up good you know, <laughs> in that car. And he, he, again, he's been very patient with me. <laughs> Other than that, it's all business, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Um, I just want to say thank you so much, Kevin, for your time. I've learned so much and I'm sure everyone else listening had, they left here a little bit inspired so much great stuff that you brought, not just about Dr. Craig, but in your own life and how God's been using you um, through your story. So I really appreciate your, your honesty and your time. It's been really amazing. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I want these podcasts to get better and better. I'm trying to find a way to really go full time doing this podcast because shows like yours and uh, other channels are becoming more and more sophisticated and I'm an old guy, so I got to keep up with all this stuff and uh, make sure I know how to do a green screen and all that kind of stuff, you know, these days. Yeah. And so uh, hopefully you'll see some good stuff. But uh, uh, Dr. Craig is, in, uh, is doing great, and uh, we're going to be hearing from him for a long time. That's great to hear. We're all looking forward to it. I want to say, as always, thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Adherent Apologetics. I really encourage you to check out the Reasonable Faith podcast if you haven't already, though I'm sure if you're listening to this, I'm sure you've stumbled upon that at some point. Uh, so thank you again for everyone for tuning in. I'd encourage you, if you're new, be sure to subscribe, whether you're listening via podcast or YouTube. Really appreciate it. You can leave a like. You can leave a rating. I uh, just so want to say thank you to everyone tuning in, BDS, the programmer, Slam RN, everyone else. Lots of great questions. Uh, Glad we got to get through a few. And as always, I'll say thank you to everyone who supports the show. Uh, you can support the show if you don't at patreon.com. So here in Apologetics, we're about a little over 70% funded. So I appreciate everyone's support. Uh, Susan, Roger Sharp, Bible Dinkers, Chris Matthew, everyone else, so many people. Thank you so much. Um, and once again, a final thank you again to Kevin for coming on. So much great information. I really appreciate your time. Zach, thank you. Keep up the good work. Thanks for doing this.